Today's episode is presented by State Bags. State Bags makes beautiful, well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to give back to shift the narrative around social injustice. For every State Bag purchased, State hand delivers a backpack packed with essential tools for success to an American child in need. But their commitment goes beyond simply a material donation. State Bags has your back. And part of that commitment is making a difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you are traveling next, State is offering our listeners 15% off their next purchase at statebags.com using the code POD. That's 15% off your next purchase using the code POD, P-O-D, at statebags.com. State Bags, they have your back. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Sango. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going. Yeah. It's Monday. Monday. So to continue with our poopy month, today we are going to be talking about a witch. <gasps> Ooh. Specifically, the fighting fairy woman of Bodmin. Wow. Fighting fairy. Mm-hmm. So she was fae. Maybe. Maybe not. Can you be the judge? I'm ready. Ready for this. Information was pulled from the following sources. A 2019 Abandoned Spaces article by Nikola Petrovsky. A 2017 Strange Remains article. 2015 Bad Witches blog post. 2014 Strange Remains article by Dolly Stultz, a 1998 independent article by Claire Garner, the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic website, a Cult World website, and Witchcraft and Witches website. No Wikipedia this time, huh? No Wikipedia this time. And links to all these articles will be included in the show notes. So today we're going to talk about the fighting fairy woman of Cornwall, Joan Witta of Bodmin. So Joan Witta was born in Bodmin, England in 1775, and her father was believed to be a John Witta, whose profession was a weaver and twister. Twister. Yeah. So like someone who um, makes thread. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So during the period of 1780 to 1790, weaving and yarn spinning waned in popularity. Yeah. So it's believed that John changed professions and became a tawner, which is a term that refers to someone who makes white leather. I was just going to say, it's something to do with like hides and stuff. Yep. White leather. Okay. Yep. So the town of Bodmin itself became renowned for the trade of the finest quality white leather. Nice. Leather that was in high demand for such goods as gloves for men and women, gauntlets, boots, and fine shoes. Nice. If you're going to do something, you might as well be in the number one place for it. Mm -hmm. So Joan herself was known for being small in stature, Mm -hmm. standing at a mere five feet tall. She was also undernourished and very slim. Mm -hmm. I suppose a lot of people probably were at that time. Yeah. Her arms were considered long for her height, and she had slender bird-like claw fingers. Gross. (laughs) Yeah. Why would they describe them like that? Well, to be fair, that was the description of, like, her skeleton, so... Oh, when they talk about somebody being bony, like... 
We'll get we'll get to that later. Yeah. She was also a heavy tobacco smoker that used a clay pipe. Again, sign of the times. Yep. <laughs> Instead of eating, you had tobacco. Mm-hmm. Well, it is an appetite suppressant, so it is. I suppose it would help if you can't really eat, right? If you don't have food anyway. So Joan reportedly communed with fairies and spirits and was a famed clairvoyant who people would seek out for her services as a diviner, seer, and healer. Like divination? Mm -hmm. And she frequented a holy well known locally as Scarlet's, where she practiced scrying, which is the practice of looking into the future with a reflective object such as water, a mirror, or a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. Nice. She was very spooky. Mm -hmm. And according to an account by Dr. Thomas Queller Couch, who had a practice in Bodmin. Dr. Couch. Dr. Queller Couch. (laughs) Scarlet's Well was famous for its healing powers, with it said that many sick people were cured after drinking from it. Nice. And it was discovered several centuries later that along with other chemicals, the well is rich in natural fluoride. I was just going to say, was it like filled with fluoride and that's what cured them? Oh my gosh. Congrats. You got the nicest teeth ever. Right. Congrats. You're the only one with teeth left. (laughs) In all of England. (laughs) Those potatoes are pretty heavy. And in fact, one of her methods of healing was with the use of cluties or clouties, which are strips of cloth that would be taken from a sick person and tied to a tree or sometimes the scarlet holy well. So the belief behind this practice is that the cloth would act as a form of sympathetic magic. Okay. For the afflicted. So when the cloth itself began to rot, the disease they suffered would also dissipate so they could be healed. So it was just a physical representation of their illness. Yes. Got it. And fun fact, the practice of using clutes is still used in healing forms of magic to this day. Hmm. Can it cure diabetes? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) I wouldn't like bank your future health on it. (laughs) I got plenty of cloth I can tear off and have somebody (laughs) rot if it means I don't have to have as expensive health insurance. Yeah. So Joan's personality took a complete 180 in her 20s due to a large abscess in her right wisdom tooth. She should have been drinking from her own well. Right. All right, man. Which caused her to rail and shout at people. Yeah, me too. May come as no surprise that there weren't many dental practices and remedies in the late 19th, in the late 1700s. Yeah. That would be able to heal even a renowned healer. Right. And it's hard to take out wisdom teeth. Yeah. Unless they're out, out. And even then. Yeah. Especially if it was an abscess. Ooh. Yeah. Can't even smoke. So to deal with the pain, Joan would turn to drinking. Fair. Sanitizing. Yep. And as you can imagine, this didn't make her the most popular in town, especially when she'd get involved in fights. Listen, she's in pain. She's mad. She's drunk. Mm-hmm. Malnourished. <laughs> she's hungry. She possessed such almost supernatural strength that people began to believe she was possessed by the devil. Really? Yep. And despite her tiny frame, she was able to hurl and beat others so severely that she eventually landed herself in Bodmin Jail for public brawling and earned the nickname the Fighting Fairy Woman of Bodmin. That's hilarious. That's so funny. So Bodmin Jail, which was built at the edge of Bodmin Moor in Cornwall, Mm-hmm. was designed in 1779 and built by prisoners of war, because why not? Free labor, unfortunately. 
And the designer of the jail, a Sir John Call, first baronet, designed a prison that was filled with windows, had separate areas for female and male inmates, as well as separate areas for serious felons and debtors. Wow. So actually, like, probably one of the first more humane gales. <laughs> Ye old gowls. Gowls. Jowls. Jowls. Giles. Jowls. Jowls. We're kidding because I, I said it wrong in a previous episode, but I know better now because now I understand some ye old English. So unfortunately, by the time Joan had been thrown into the prison, it had already started to get cramped and a new wing wasn't added on until 1878. Oh, no. And because she was poor... Mm-hmm. Joan languished in jail for years, yeah. unable to secure her release due to her lack of wealth. Yep. She was forced to work the treadmill like all the other prisoners and became sick from the damp, dreadful conditions and bad diet. And she actually died of bronchial pneumonia in 1813 at the age of 38. Ouch. That's rough. That's yeah. Like, I've, I've had... I don't know if it was bronchial pneumonia, but I've had bronchitis and I've had pneumonia and neither were really great. So combining the two with horrible medicine and poor food and exercise in a cold space and you've got yourself deaf. Yeah. As someone who had either pneumonia or bronchitis or the flu pretty much several times a year throughout my entire childhood and into my 20s, I can attest that that would suck balls. If you had to do anything but just languish in bed. (laughs) And try not to die. Yeah. (laughs) And as if suffering from an abscess tooth and dying slowly in jail wasn't enough, Joan's body was dissected at the jail by their surgeon with the skeleton being placed in a storeroom at the prison. Why? Who knows? Just because she was tiny and it was cool? I don't know. But when William Hicks became the new prison governor, he used her skeleton during a seance to amuse his friends. Great. So not only was she not given a proper burial, but her body's been desecrated. Yep. Several times. So he placed her skeleton in a coffin with a bone in it so her spirit could commune with the attendees. Mm -hmm. Two people would be given bones, which could be wrapped or would be wrapped. One wrap would mean yes, and two wraps would mean no. Unknown to his friends, Hicks would hide a person who also had a bone so they could play the part of Joan during the seance. Mm-hmm. And according to legend, the seance quickly took an unexpected turn. The lid to the coffin flew open with a huge gust of supernatural wind, and the bones were yanked by unseen hands from the three people who held them and began to fly around the room, hitting the people in attendance on the shoulders and head. Uh-huh. And just as suddenly as it started, all the activity abruptly stopped, and Hicks soon placed Joan's remains, in addition to the three femur bones that were used during the seance, back in the storeroom. Oh, so don't bury it. Just throw it back where you found it. Nope. Great. So an account of the story is displayed in the Witchcraft Museum and Mm -hmm. states the following. These are the three bones seized by the poltergeist force on that fateful night of the spoof seance organized by William Hicks and with which the assembled party guests were beaten about the head and shoulders. After the debacle, the bones were picked up and put into the cupboard with Joan Witta's skeleton, where, in spite of a number of strange incidents over the last hundred years or more, they have remained ever since. What the heck? Bury them. Why hasn't anybody buried them? 
Yeah. And actually, Jones' skeleton remained in storage at the prison until 1927, when a doctor in North Cornwall acquired her remains after the jail permanently closed. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Joan ended up in the care of an antique dealer before being acquired by Cecil Williamson, the founder of the Witchcraft Museum in Boss Castle, Cornwall, that opened in 1951. I hate this. (laughs) Joan's remains were put on display in a coffin at the museum, and when it was sold to Graham King and Liz Crow in 1996, they reported that while her skeleton was on display, strange occurrences such as disruptive poltergeist activity would take place. For example, mm-hmm. during the day, the lid would be open on her coffin and it would be closed at night when they closed up the museum for the day. Mm-hmm. But in the mornings when they opened up, the lid would be open again. Yeah. Just checking it out. Using yep. those bones that nobody will let rest. Jerks. And according to the Independent, Mr. King, who's also a witch, thought it was wrong to continue to persecute her after death. Mm-hmm. He was quoted as saying... If you could see children looking around the museum, gawping at this skeleton, pointing and saying, yuck, it's a witch, it doesn't seem right. Nope. Also, just having her body on display without any sort of her saying, yeah, sure, why not? Yep. Donate it to science. Couldn't say it because she had bronchitis, (laughs) bronchial pneumonia, where you can't say squat. Mm -hmm. Except... (gasps) Right. So Cassandra Latham, Britain's first full-time professional witch... Mm-hmm. was brought in to offer advice on what they should do to rid themselves of the pesky spirit. Bury it. Latham shared that it was the spirit of Joan and that she didn't want to be on display. She just wished to be given a proper burial. Thank you. The new owners granted her request, and the coffin that used to house her skeleton is still on display, along with the plaque detailing her tragic story. She was on display at the museum for 40 years. She was at that museum for 40 years. Yep. Before they were like, oh, yeah, I guess we should bury her bones. Well, because that was when the previous owner had it. Still. Even still. Yeah. So King and Crow made it their mission to give her a very simple and respectful ritualistic burial. Mm -hmm. They carefully took the metal out of her bones that kept her skeleton together and placed them in a wicker basket lined with wool. They then laid Joan to rest in an undisclosed wooded area near the Minster Churchyard in Boss Castle in 1998 mm-hmm. with a small bottle of brandy, a clay pipe, a bit of tobacco, and some magic herbs. And her headstone reads as follows. Joan Witta, born 1775, died 1813 in Bodmin Jail, buried 1998, no longer abused. Good. That was a long time coming. Yeah. Couple th- hundreds Just a couple of centuries. centuries, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine, right? God damn it. And since her burial, even though the exact location is unknown, the surrounding area has become a pilgrimage site for various individuals and pagan groups. Mm-hmm. And the story of Joan Witta has inspired folk music mini opera titled Spirit in the Storm. Mm-hmm. which you can buy at the museum as a CD. She's also had two stories written about her by Kelvin Jones, one entitled Witchcraft in Cornwall, and the other, Anne Joan the Crone, The History and Craft of the Cornish Witch. Hmm. And that is the story of Joan Witta, the fighting fairy woman of Bodmin. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing was a bummer. Yeah. She's just this little hippie lady that got into some trouble because she didn't have health care. Yeah. And then people just messed with her bones because she was small. 
Well, and it's like, you got to wonder too, how many other people who were just natural healers had similar shit happen to them? Yep. You know, I'd be fucking pissed too if my tooth hurt every day and there was nothing I could do about it. One thing too that I kind of wondered, like, I know she was poor, but didn't she have a husband at that time? Like he didn't... No, she wasn't married. Oh. That was her dad. Oh, it was your dad. That I talked about. Who's your dad? Okay. She's like, her husband didn't try to get her out? Like, damn. <laughs> no. From what I read about her, she wasn't married. Okay. Makes you feel a little bit better. Not by much, but... Yeah. A little bit. Greetings. Welcome to Curious Nixons, where we lead you through the darkness. We'll be discussing all things sinister and disturbing. If you're interested in hearing about true crime, the paranormal, witchy, and downright weird stuff, then you're in the right place. We'll We'll see see you on the other side. This week's podcast plug is the Curious Nixons podcast run by friends Alex and Loretta, in which they each share tales that are spooky, grisly, and just downright weird. Nice. Just up our alley. Yep. They um, share a lot of like spooky witch stories and things like that and cover a lot of really fun, spooky stories. I dig it. Awesome. Perfect for the season. Yep. And when you're taking spooky bubble baths without realizing it. Yep. That can happen all year round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love taking spooky bubble baths. <laughs> I used to do it on accident. Like I would like light candles, take a bubble bath and listen to the lore. And then I'd be like, this is a little too much. <laughs> like the stories. So go check it out. Go check so out yes. that podcast. <laughs> go listen to the Curious Nixon's podcast. We will have um, a link to their podcast in the show notes. Awesome. The listener story this week is actually an audio file. Okay, so this goes back a couple of years into uh, into the early 90s. Um, I was in Boy Scouts, and my Boy Scout troop used to go to the USS Massachusetts in Fall River, Massachusetts, which is a World War II battleship. Um, Nobody ever died on this ship, fun fact, even though it was in multiple battles. There were no combat deaths. It was known okay. as the Big Mamie. And it's huge. It's a huge. World War II battleships are gigantic. Um, and we would sleep over. We did this three or four times when I was in Scouts. And I mean, it was awesome being a teenage boy on a battleship. I mean, come on, that's friggin' awesome. Um, they would have sleepovers on it? Yeah. Now, we were not allowed in certain places. We had basically the run of the ship. 75% of it is open to you. But obviously, like the tower, like the island in the middle there that goes all the way up, they don't want you climbing up there. Because even at the time in the early 90s, it was, you know, 50, 60 years old. Yeah. But, of course, we weren't we weren't going to listen to that. So right. uh, me and a friend of mine, um, just, we were walking around the ship one night. And, and uh, you know, you're supposed to be in bed at, at a certain time. But you had a f- few hours after dinner uh, to roam. And it was very easy to get lost and to be separated from from pretty much everyone because the crew quarters are in one part. And I mean, it's just such a massive ship. So against my better judgment, um, <laughs> my friend suggested to me, hey, man, let's let's climb up into, you know, like the tower, like the, the big part in the middle there, because the, the, the bridge is up there. Like, you know, that's where they ran the ship from. Let's go check it out. There were, there were you know, there's there's ladders. You just have to go past the signs that say, don't climb on the ladders. So it's dark and uh, the, um, the battleship uh-huh. is kept in a river uh, under a giant bridge. Um, so there's no one around. Uh, and we went up on deck and, and there was there was nobody there. 
and then um, nobody around at all, and utter silence, and um, okay. just the cars going cool. over the bridge, which is which was toward which is you know, towards the front of the ship. This is the middle of the ship. So we try to figure out how to climb up on the damn thing, and okay. uh, we we snuck up there, and um, it was a long <laughs> climb. It was a long climb up to up to the battle bridge, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, this this was not a good idea, and I could tell yeah. pretty much, you know, immediately when we started climbing that this was a bad idea. It it was kind of windy. Um, we were hanging on. It was like, oh man, this was stupid. Why are we doing this? And so he was outside, and they were climbing. Yeah, he was outside. He was yeah. Oh hell no! Because this whole time I was like, oh, he's on the inside of the bridge. It's fine. No, he's outside. He's outside. In the middle of the ship. Yeah. Oh my god. I should actually. I'm gonna pull up a picture of this ship so you can see it because he did send me a picture of it. Okay. And we'll share this on Instagram too, so people can have an idea of what it looks like. But no. Yeah. So he's climbing like all the way up. He's climbing up there. Yeah. He's climbing like up here. Oh my god! He was such a dumb kid. (laughs) You're kidding me. How did he become an adult? Oh no. But like. Can you imagine letting a bunch of like boy oh. scouts camp on this? No, like several times. Yeah, more than once. I'm sorry, but if this was in Iowa, like so many kids would have drowned in that river. <laughs> because the first thing they would have done was try to like do something stupid, like climb the tower without supervision or something. Or jump off the side of it like a bunch of dumbasses. Just hear the cannonballs being screamed. God. Oh my God. Also, super safe looking bridge. <laughs> Isn't there like a nuclear power plant in the background? Power plant? Power plant in the background. 10 out of 10, super safe, would do again. This is fine. I can hear, see the Yelp review now. Take your kids. (laughs) Super safe. Okay, so he's got, he's on the outside of that terrifying thing. Yeah. I'll leave leave that picture up for the rest of this so you can just like visualize that. But I'm a big, even as a kid, I was a big military history nerd and I wanted to see this myself. And uh, I think my friend just wanted to do something he wasn't supposed to do. So we get up to the we get up to the top there and we get onto this bridge. And it's not it really we should have been tethered to something, you know, like it's not exactly the way it was, you know, when it was an operational ship. Um, Uh But it was awesome because you could see for a a huge distance. Like you can tell that's why, you know, you would do this during a battle like, you know, in the head. It was amazing. A lot of the original equipment was there. I mean, you know rusting away but you could see what it must have looked like and i had my back turned and i saw a shadow now uh, my friend saw the, well, we'll get to that in a second so now it was just the two of us there was no one else this is not a very large room open on both sides uh and he screamed and took off past me and was down the ladder like a shot and i just did not oh even God. turn around and I went after him, and me, we were climbing down this ladder faster than was safe. Uh, and he was screaming, and this is a large, even as a teenager, this is a big guy, big, tough guy. And I had never heard him make a sound <laughs> like that before, and or since I've known him many years. Um, and uh-huh. we shot down that that ladder. And he, it was a, it's a very, very, very tall. Google what the USS Massachusetts looks like and try to imagine climbing down the ladder in the middle. 
We I got can't. to the bottom and he was as white as a sheet and he did not even stop. He Now, you're not supposed to run. Um, it's very easy to get hurt. And he hit the bottom. Yeah, that's, hit the that's where you get hurt. Ran immediately <laughs> for the stairs that went down to the crew, the crew cabin. And I went with him and I caught up to him yelling his name. And I and I finally caught up to him. He was he was much faster. He was an athlete. I was not an athlete. And I caught up to him and he grabbed me and he was like, did you see it? Did you see it? And I said, no, I, I saw a shadow. What the hell was it? And he said, it was a guy. It was a guy. It was a guy. It was a guy from the ship. Now, he thought, I don't know in retrospect whether he thought it was a crew member. That was what I was thinking. Oh, my God, did we get caught? Now, in the in the Massachusetts is a, is a museum uh, down when you're walking towards the crew quarters. I said, what did he look like? And he was like, well, he was wearing a uniform. Okay, well, you know, the, the, the people that work on the ship, you know, some of them wear uniforms. I said, oh, man. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking we got busted. And like, oh, man. Oh, by the way, my dad was the scoutmaster. So that meant I was really going to get it. Oh, great. So oh, we were in this hallway with this, you know, all of the historical stuff, uh, you know, all, all the all the pictures and things like that in this hall. And there was a mannequin wearing, uh, you know, they're mannequins dressed in various uniforms. And he said, I said, well, what did he look like? What did he look like? And he was trying to describe it to me. And history is not this guy's thing. Um, and finally, he saw a mannequin while he was obviously trying to think of something. And he saw the mannequin. He went, he looked just like that. And what he was pointing to is a mannequin wearing uh, a naval officer's uniform of the Second World War. And I said, he couldn't have been wearing that. They don't wear those anymore. And he said, Jim, I saw him. I looked right at him. That's what he was wearing. And I said, that's that's from the Second World War. He said, Jim, I just saw him. He's up there. Now, we both knew that no one had died in combat on the ship. So why would it be haunted if nobody died in combat? Now, I didn't see. I just saw a shadow. But this is not a guy that I would, you know, known him all his life, would not make up a story like that. So the next day, um, I was talking to a staffer. Obviously, didn't tell him what I did. <laughs> but I said, hey, uh, he was taking us on this tour. And I said, hey, after it was over, I went up to him and I said, have you ever heard any stories of, um, of hauntings? You know, just curious. And he went, well, he's like, sometimes um, people see one of the, one of the ship's officers. Um, he's like, that's pretty common with these museum boats. You know, sometimes the officers pass away of natural causes and then they come back to their boat. So I guess that's uh, I guess that's who we saw while my friend saw. But Mm. I saw a shadow. There was a shadow and there was no one else there but me and him. And it fell across the floor of the battle bridge. And it was crazy. And I've, I've never forgotten it. So that's my that's my spooky story. Wow. Well, that's really sad if he like died of natural causes and went back to sh- the ship. Yeah, and he's just haunting the ship. I hope he's not the only ghost. I hope he has like ghost friends <laughs> stuck on that stupid ship. Ghost friends. <laughs> ghost friends on a ship that never leaves. Because <laughs> it's stuck in the river <laughs> by the power plant <laughs> and the sketchy bridge. Well, thank you for that story, Jim. That story came from our friend James of the Friday Night Dance Party podcast. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing. But you were a dumb kid, and I'm glad you didn't die flying down the stairs. I'm glad you uh, weren't killed by a ghost and also (laughs) didn't kill yourself running down some 
what looked to be and what sounds like terrifying stairs that no one should ever run down on our rusty old ship. Right. And I loved the the only safety thing you really mentioned was to not run (laughs) on the flat surface of the ship. Not the whole like sneaking up part. No, just don't, don't run. Just don't run. It's like at the pool. Don't run. (laughs) You can do everything else, but just don't run. Yeah. Well, I suppose now it's my my turn again this week to share another paranormal experience from childhood. Are you going to do the spookiest one? Mm, I am going to share a story from Iowa, from Hornick. <gasps> Little girl? Yep. <sighs> okay, so the story I'm going to share today has to do with a little girl's spirit that I encountered in our house in Hornick, which was the house that I grew up in. And I can't remember exactly how old I was when I moved into the upstairs bedroom. It was before me. I want to say maybe seven, eight. Oh, then I was there. I think you were there. So the upstairs bedroom in this house had a door that connected to the attic. And the attic would extend over the living room. The entire the entire, ho- the entire yeah. house, specifically the living room. Um and yeah, you would just store a bunch of stuff up there. So you would walk into the bedroom. First thing you do when you turn to the right is the door to the attic. And then you could just keep walking into the room and there's a closet door. And then to the left is the main part of the bedroom. Yep. So growing up, I would get holiday collector Barbies from my mm-hmm. grandma. And I had one of those shelving units where you have like the metal pieces that go up and down the wall vertically and you like slot the shelves in there. So it's kind of like the modular shelving type of thing that you make on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I would keep the Barbies on the very top shelf, pushed all the way back to the wall. And at this point in time, I had a twin size bed. I can't remember if it was the day bed or not. It might have been the day bed. But I remember waking up several times at night feeling very, very cold. And I would roll over to like look into the middle of the room and I would see this little girl sitting on the floor. And when I say little girl, I mean very little, maybe like four or five years old. She had shorter curly blonde hair, like kind of close to the head. So that's kind of what makes me mm-hmm. think that she didn't, that she wasn't very old. She wore a white, like smock type dress that you would wear to like church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stopped like around her knees and she wore very black Mary Jane shoes. And she had a little like bobby sock type things. They were shiny too. They were very shiny. So it was like a full body apparition. And she, I was never scared of her. I was just confused. Like, like, why are you? Yeah. Why is this little girl in my room? And so there were lots of nights where she would just be like in there, just like looking at the Barbies. There are some nights she'd be sitting on the end of my bed. Again, looking at the Barbies just sitting on my bed while she's doing it instead of in the middle of the floor. Yeah. And I remember waking up um, one night to the sound of something hitting the floor very hard. And I startled up in bed, look over, and there's uh, one of my collector Barbies like face down on the floor. And obviously, like I said before, they were pushed all the way back to the wall. And even though I had like a ceiling fan, I think, in that room, there's no way it would have knocked a box with a design like a collector barbie box yeah they're pretty heavy for barbie boxes actually yeah because they had the hard plastic tops and bottoms Mm -hmm. so 
there's no way that would have just like blown off the shelf. So I remember waking up with uh, with it like face down. And then in the morning when I woke up again, the box had been righted. Like, so it was standing upright, how it normally would have been when it was displayed on the shelf. Almost like the little girl was apologizing for knocking it down. Mm-hmm. But I think I remember one night putting them all down on the floor. So then if she wanted to look at them, because obviously she wanted to look at them. Yeah. So she could actually look at them. And I remember a time too, when I had a friend stay over, I was probably like nine. And I had this little metal, it's one of those kind of perpetual motion type of things where it was like a little person mm-hmm. on like a balance beam where you'd, you'd poke the bottom and then it would like swing back and forth for a while. And I would every once in a while glance over to it on my shelf and it would be swinging by itself without me having touched it. Yeah. And I think that was her playing with it too. But yeah, I remember seeing her a lot growing up, not being freaked out by her or anything. She was just this little girl that happened to like dolls and enjoyed looking at them in my room. And I'm pretty sure she lived in the attic. Yeah. Because I wouldn't feel her in my room. I mean, she just, she would come from the attic. Didn't you say too that after she knocked it down, you like didn't see her for a while because she felt bad? Yeah, I didn't see her for a long time. And so I think that's when I put them on the floor and was like, it's okay. I know you didn't do it on purpose. They're not broken or anything. They're fine. Well, actually, the the one sh- that fell. Oh, yeah. So the like I said, they're in these plastic cases. And these are from like 1988. Mm-hmm. I have one from 88, 89, and 91, I think. And the one from 1988... The Barbie was wearing this like beautiful snow, like snowy, furry looking type dress with like the muff for her hands and stuff like that. And when we moved, I noticed that the front of the case had like this yellow discoloration on part Mm -hmm. of it where the plastic had become very, very brittle. And none of the other ones had that. Nope. None of them were placed in a place where they would have been exposed to direct sunlight for long periods of time. Yep. Or moisture or heat or intense cold. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's the one that she actually touched because none of the other ones um, had any sort of damage. No. Or aging. No. Only that one. I remember that too. I just remember that there was one box was yellowed and like visibly aged. Mm-hmm. And the other ones were fine. Yep. No marks, really. I mean, other than like dust. Yep. Yep. That's the little girl ghost from Hornick. Yep. I feel like I've seen her, but I can't. I was so young when we were in the house that I can't say for sure. She but reminded I, me of, um, do you remember the Dick and Jane books? Yeah. Jane? She reminded me of Baby in the books. Oh, like like the like the dress she wore and stuff, but her hair was a little bit longer. I remember the shoes. Mm-hmm. I just remember really shiny black shoes mm-hmm. that clicked. Yep, and I had a wood floor in yep. my bedroom, so you could hear them clickety clacking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. She wasn't dark. Mm-mm. She's just a little girl. Just a little girl that liked dolls, as you do, and felt really bad. <laughs> Yeah, she, she broke yours. Yeah, but it was okay. I think I actually remember you saying that, like, when it happened, you like tried to console her. You were like, "It's okay, it's okay, it's fine." You can yeah. come back. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't break anything. It's okay. Well, we have to do our something good. Okay, something good. Um, 
Well, for me, I am making my apartment a little nicer with very cheap <laughs> uh, renovation stuff. So I actually, um, I painted my apartment like a basic, it's a basic white color, but it was this really awful, like gray, brown, beige color yeah. for time. And it was just kind of a, it was neutral, but it was just kind of a sad color and I hated it. And I've lived here for five years and all the other house, all, like a lot of the other apartments are white. So I was like, I can get away with this. Yeah. So, um, I have the main area. I have the kitchen and the living room and like the mini dining room kind of part done in the hallway. And, and yep. And so now I just have the bedroom and the bathroom to do, which I'll probably do this weekend. And then I I got some like this of this holographic privacy film for my windows. And it's really pretty. Like when the sun shines, I have like rainbows in my house, which is cool. And then I got um, my, I have plants that do pretty okay in my apartment. I have indirect sunlight. So it's kind of hard for me to have certain types of plants, but I just ordered a plant light strips. Ooh. So I'm going to have like a plant wall in my bedroom. Nice. So I'm going to stick the plant strips along the wall and have them kind of hang out because you can have it on a timer. Nice. So that they get light. So we'll see how they do. Because one of them, I have two of them that are basically like forms. They're variations of trees. They're like small trees. Mm-hmm. And I want them to get big and strong. So I'm just going to have like a plant wall and it's, it's coming along. It's making me really happy since I'm stuck in this space. Yeah. <laughs> for so, so much of my day. And I also got a rowing machine from my sister so I can work out without going to a gym and risking my health. So yep. thank you very much for coming by and grabbing that, mm-hmm. getting that for me. I look forward to getting really buff arms. There you go. What about in, you? In Kiev's. In Kiev's. Um, my something good was being able to escape from my family for a little while on Sunday and come see you and get ramen, which is a rare treat. And good ramen too. Good ramen and boba, which is also a rare treat. Mm-hmm. Getting donuts. The family was happy with the donuts that I picked. How was the crunchy boy? <laughs> Thomas made a really funny face when he took it. He was like, like he wasn't quite sure what to think of it. Really? Yeah. Like when he, when he grabbed it or when he ate it? When he ate it. I think it was just way too sugary for him. Way too sweet. Probably because like they, they do that to the Bam Bam too, where like, I think they add too much confectioner sugar to the glaze. Yeah. And like not enough of the flavoring. So they probably could have added like three times more cinnamon. Yeah. And Sefi started laughing when she was eating the pumpkin chai one that I got for her. The pumpkin spice yeah. chai or whatever. Because she didn't realize it had pumpkin filling in it. Oh, no. So she took a bite and she was like, why does it have poop in it? <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, that's pumpkin puree. <laughs> oh, so. my God. But why does it have poop in it? Like, why would I give you a donut that has poop in it? I would not do that to you, let alone my worst enemy. Well, maybe my worst enemy, give him a shit donut. But 
Yeah, that was fun. That was fun going on that little excursion too. I don't normally do that. And it was nice just being able to see you in person. Yeah. People don't know this, but we actually used to have like sleepovers and stuff pre-COVID. Like once we a month. Just like hang out. We'd stay the night. We'd do something fun in the city. And then we'd have breakfast at a cool like mom and pop diner. And then you'd go. Yep. It was a nice monthly break from my family to recharge. Shall we? Well, it's eight o'clock. Yep. Let's shut her down. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on social at Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. Uh, you can email us if you have stories you want to share or show requests. There are certain topics you'd like us to cover that we haven't yet. You can certainly write us a note and I can let you know if it's already on my super long spreadsheet list of potential topics or not. It is a very nice spreadsheet. It's so nice. Very thorough. It is. It's very thorough. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts because that really helps us out and makes us smile and goes into our special folder that we look to and smile at. Yep. Make our day. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. Thank you for making me feel good. Thank you for making me feel things. We also have a Patreon where you can go on there for as low as $5 a month and support the show, get early access to ad-free content and video outtakes of our lovely and unshowered selves. Do we shower? You'll never know. Is this the week that Lindsay washed her hair? Tune in to find out on Patreon. Right. Join Patreon to find out how we smell. You can also leave a one, uh, one-time donation at Buy Me a Coffee. And that's kind of like PayPal, only you're buying us coffee that we will drink. And you can do it for as low as $3, which is less than a cup of coffee, but just as appreciated. Absolutely. That's the spiel. And as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.